Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. My word for today. I just happened to uh, come across this little story the other day and you may well have read it too if you've got a current word for today. In a social experiment at a metro station in Washington, D.C., on a cold January morning, a young violinist played several classical compositions as people rushed by. After three minutes, a middle-aged man slowed briefly, then hurried away. Thirty seconds later, the young man received his first dollar. A woman threw it in his case without stopping. Six minutes later, a man leaned against a wall to listen for a few minutes, then looked at his watch and walked on. After ten minutes, a little boy stopped, but his mum hurried him along. Other kids did the same, but every parent, without exception, rushed them on. The young musician played for 45 minutes. During that time, seven people stopped and listened for a while, and 20 gave money as they walked past. He collected a total of $50, and when, and when he'd stopped playing, nobody noticed or applauded. What's remarkable is this. The violinist was Joshua Bell, one of the world's greatest musicians, and he played some of the most intricate pieces ever written on a violin worth 5.3 million. Two days before, he'd sold out a Boston theater where seats averaged $150 per seat to listen to him play the same music he played at the metro station that morning where only one person recognized him. So here's the question. If you've got time to stop and listen to one of the world's best musicians playing the finest music ever written on one of the most beautiful instruments ever made, what else are you missing as you barrel through life? Jeremy would have stopped and listened for sure. (laughs) This true story is a modern-day parable, really, about accepting or rejecting the offer to pause and receive a free gift, or to rush on by. Let's be honest, December is really crazy town for us Kiwis who cram numerous gatherings into one month before the big exit to the beach. Would we be any different to those Washington commuters, do you think, if the experiment was held at the base pre-Christmas? As we, as we prepare our hearts for Christmas, we need to remind or be reminded uh, to make time to be truly amazed at what happened in a stable 2,000 years ago. Only a few discerning people recognize the magnitude and the significance of this new arrival. But before the world began, God planned to send Jesus to this world he created. This is our God. 
He is incarnate, God with us. The Word become flesh. The world received the greatest gift of all creation on that night. And if you read your uh, pastor's plug, I just had tears streaming down my face as I watched uh, the, the nativity story again not too long ago. This gift is not like Joshua Bell's uh, gift in some ways, his free performance. That was just so easily rejected by busy um, Washingtonians focused on work. Jesus' gift of salvation is an invitation to a whole new life. The invitation to follow him and to have um, his spirit live in us demands a response to this greatest of all invites. And whether it's a yes or a no, his love for us is not dependent on that choice. It doesn't diminish. It only intensifies until our very last breath. The invitation to follow Christ is also not based on merit, talent, income, social standing, race, color, or creed. This month, we've entitled the theme, Invitation Unlimited. And this Invitation Unlimited we find in Matthew 22. So if you've got your Bibles, you want to turn there. <clears throat> I'm reading from NIV. It goes like this. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have all been butchered, and everything's ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was so enraged, he sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their cities. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready. But those I invited do not deserve or did not deserve to come. So I would go to the street corners and invite the banquet to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the street and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into outer darkness uh, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Wow. Is it just me? Or does this passage raise more questions than it gives answers for you too? <laughs> Starting with that concluding verse, what did Jesus mean when he said, 
Many are called, but few are chosen. That's quite a, a deep theological question, which is deserving of a whole sermon, and you can see I'm just ducking for cover here. But if you're listening, <laughs> if you're listening to this message, I believe, it's my belief that you are chosen. You're here. You, are, you have your ears on, hopefully. Whether or not you have the right wedding gear on is another matter. I'll repeat that. Whether or not you have the right wedding gear on is another matter, known only to God. And all I'm going to attempt to do in this short space this morning is to encourage you to be clothed with Christ, which is the only way to attend the great banquet of all banquets and to perhaps warn you of some of the counterfeit garments that we often choose by default. In other words, not by choosing Christ. So here we go. Number one counterfeit garment is the independent garment. Verse 11 and 12, you know, when, that's when Jesus confronted the man who was not dressed properly, Jesus was thinking of the custom of the day, which was that at certain weddings, the host would provide the wedding garments. Imagine adding that to your wedding list, getting all the right size garments, to be worn in honor of the couple or of the host. So on first reading, verse 11 and 12 does seem a bit harsh that this man would be thrown out. But here the king tells the servants to round, um, he rounds up the people at short notice and then throws one guy out for being underdressed. That does seem a bit harsh, doesn't it? What's with that? Well, the reality is that this guest wants the party without the entry guest gift pack at the door. In truth, he had actually rejected the essential new garments already provided. This independent spirit says, I play by my rules. If you say black, I'll say white. If you say no, I'll say okay and do it anyway. This is the independent spirit. And besides, I like this image. You know, this, is, this is who I am. I am who I am. And if he was from the south of America, he'd say, I is who I is. <laughs> And that's the independent spirit. It whispers in our ear and says, I know the Bible says sin is sin, but this is 2020. And you won't die. That's what the independent spirit says to us. Is that sounding quite familiar? Garden of Eden, long time ago. So Mr. Independent chose not to notice that all the other you know, outcasts, latecomers and sinners had actually happily exchanged their rags for the beautiful new garments that were provided by the host. And he either didn't want to, you know, to die to the sin in his life and the old self, or he left it too late. 
My dad once um, hired a bit of a comedian, a casual guy, who only worked for him for a few few weeks. And on the first day, the job was chipping thistles with a spade. And he sent him down to some fairly bad, badly littered paddocks. Thought he might get through maybe one, two paddocks maybe in the morning. When he got back at lunch, he said, how'd you get on? And this guy said, well... He said, I got, I felled one, and I've got one ready to fell in the morning. <laughs> one thistle. <laughs> he was joking, of course. But, you know, some of us are like that with old habits and sins, eh? It takes us 10 years to just master one, one thing. And we've got another one ready to master in the next 10 years. We're working on the other stuff. The second counterfeit garment is the I'm not worthy rag. Luke 15 uh, beautifully outlines how God values lost things. Lost coins, lost sheep, and finally lost people. And the parable of the lost son is probably one of the most known stories of Father God's love for his kids who do dumb stuff. No hands up, but yes, I do dumb stuff. The word prodigal actually means wasteful or reckless. And the youngest son is both. He wastes his whole inheritance with nothing to show for it. bit like time on Facebook. Ooh. <laughs> Sorry to any that love Facebook, but he wasted all the money, had nothing to show for it. But he comes to his senses. I love that verse. He came to his senses. And he works on a good take-me-back-as-a-worker speech. All the way back, he's practicing his speech before he gets to dad and before he has to face the workers and perhaps that fairly stern older brother. He cannot believe the reception. Dad running to meet him. He starts the speech, but next minute he's showered with gifts. Everything about this welcome was countercultural. Dad running, not cool. The ring, he was no ruler. And the robe, he just did not feel like royalty. He actually deserved a telling off or at least some tough love. And he got a promotion. And I think there might be some here today that can't quite handle the grace of a forgiving father figure either. And that's the I'm not worthy garment still clinging on by a thread. Maybe it's time we let that garment go. The turning point of this son's story was when he came to his senses. He started out a give-me kind of guy, but he ends up a make-me guy. He started out saying, give me my inheritance. Give me what my rights are. Give me my rights. We hear that a lot, don't we? 
as an arrogant young upstart, and he ended up by saying, make me a servant as an appreciative returnee. Have you come to your senses today, and can you say, make me a servant, Lord? Finally, the resentment garment, Luke 15, 28 to 30. You see, the Luke 15 story doesn't end with the younger brother. There's an older brother, and he's not a happy camper. He resents the father's generosity, and he just can't understand him being so good to this wasteful prodigal. When he hears about the gifts and the party, he can't even bear to call him a brother. What does he call him? He calls him that son of yours. And he refuses to go in the house. He can't attend the king's banquet because he's got a resentment cloak wrapped around so tight that the thought of having any fun is like a distant memory. He's short on generosity. In all his serving, he's lost his joy. And the only giving he can remember is blood, sweat, and tears. Maybe you're holding on to a resentment garment today for perhaps an injustice done against you or someone you love. Are you offended because you were overlooked? Or are you taking up an offense on behalf of someone else, perhaps someone you identify with, then let that resentment garment go. That garment of bitterness and resentment, it's got to go. Praise God, he has provided all we need at the door. And the door is the door of surrender to his will. His robe of righteousness is available on request. And it's the only garment allowed at the wedding feast. So when we come to our senses, that wonderful phrase, when we come to our senses and shed the independent garment, the rags that are saying, I'm not worthy, and that garment of bitterness... We are close to salvation. But when we bow the knee and confess our sin, all those selfish thoughts and words and actions then are washed away. And we're ready to receive the righteous robe of Christ. He invites us in. He invites us in and he invites us to share in his inheritance, he invites us to live by faith. He invites us to enter freedom and joy. And once we've put on Christ, we can look forward to a great wedding feast of Jesus and his bride one day. Let's uh, celebrate with Isaiah. We turn back to Isaiah 61. Just going to read that, that, that passage again. 
Wonderful verse, verse 10. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. Doesn't that have so much more meaning now? When we see some of those other ones we've been wearing. And he's arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. I just had that word jump out at me this morning. It's, it's like he wants to show us off. He's proud of us. Can you accept that he's proud of you? When he looks at us with that robe of righteousness on, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see the sin or our mistakes or our past or our dumb stuff, he sees Jesus. We may get too busy to see him in all the simple things that he puts in front of us and does just for our benefit as we rush past, but he continues to invite us in to intimate connection. So let's not miss him this Christmas. Let's just, with childlike faith, discover him again and again in the wonder of the salvation story. Amen. Lord, I pray that you would surprise us again and again each day, Lord, with new mercies, new joys. God, we just I just thank you for the mist and the valleys and the trees on the mountains and the the crashing waves on the rocks. Lord, all those things you've just perfected. You bring warmth, growth, flavor, seed time and harvest. God, all these things to show us truths about your character and yourself. And so, God, we just want to have eyes open and just take on that robe of righteousness today that says we belong to Christ. We just thank you that we can shed off the older brother's resentment, the younger brother saying, I'm not worthy. We can shed off that strong world independence, God. Help us to be teachable and mailable and made in your image to glorify you and to seek your kingdom and to see your ways established in our lives. We pray wisdom, grace, and favor upon us as we come to this time of Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. <music>